This is episode number 98 in the power of full engagement. Welcome to the Success 101 podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren, where each episode, my goal is to bring you a new concept or idea to help you maximize your full potential. Thanks for joining me today. Now let's kick things off. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Success 101 podcast on how we can find more energy in our lives, as well as a ton of notes that I took on the book, The Power of Full Engagement by Jim Lair and Tony Schwartz. And I think you guys are really going to love this because a lot of the comments I get from you, whether it be through SoundCloud, whether it be through personal email or phone calls that I'm getting from you, many people have told me that they are just struggling day after day with finding more energy in their lives. You may have recently heard my recordings on resting and why sleep is not enough. Also building onto that was the recording of how to get revived, where I talked about why sleep is so important, why getting revived is so important, how that's going to build our energy levels overall, and this is just compounding on that as well. And I heard about the power of full engagement quite a while back. I think it came out several years ago and just hadn't had a chance to pick it up yet. And I'm so glad that I finally did. So The Power of Full Engagement by Jim Blair and Tony Schwartz. I would encourage you to go get it if you've never read it. It is a must-have for highly performing business individuals who are looking for peak performance each day. But it argues that managing our energy rather than our time is the key to high performance in our fast-paced digital world. And they say that time management alone is no longer an option. So you may have heard my recordings on managing time in the past. I've done several of those. And they're not saying that managing time, you know that there's no value in that. But it's just that time management alone is no longer an option for us. We have to make sure that we are managing our energy. And if we only manage our time, we're going to be spent We're not going to have the willpower to keep moving forward. And you could have all the time management skills in the world and not have the energy to execute. We have to strive to become leaders to have this just abundant energy in the areas of physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual energy. And what they state is that there are only so many hours in a day, but the quantity and quality of those hours of energy available to us is not. We all know that willpower is finite and that we will use it up if we're not careful. And they first learned about energy in the field of professional sports. They found that it wasn't the skills of their clients, but the energy they had that was the X factor that allowed them to ignite. And there was an interesting concept to me in the book that this background was founded in consulting they've done with some of the greatest athletes out there. And so they provide a set of ideas and tools that are going to help us as corporate athletes, as they call it, perform at our peak levels. And you know my aim in this podcast is to bring you areas of peak performance, ideas, and concepts that are going to help you thrive every day. And I thought this book fit in perfectly to that. I made tons of notes in it. And again, I can't say it enough. I would encourage you to go get your own copy. So think about this concept that energy, not time, is the fundamental currency of high performance. And so there's four principles of full engagement that they go into here. Principle number one, full engagement requires drawing on four separate but related sources of energy. As I mentioned, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. They all have to be there. Principle number two, because energy diminishes both with overuse and underuse, we must balance it with energy renewal. So I think we all know about energy expenditure, 
but it's energy renewal that I think most of us struggle with, and I'll go into that later as well. Principle three, to build capacity, we must push beyond our normal levels of training in the same systematic way that athletes do. And principle number four, positive energy rituals, highly specific routines for managing energy are the key to managing and sustaining high performance. So think about that. Write those things down if you need to. I would encourage you to pause the recording, put it in your iPhone, wherever you need to, so that you don't lose track of this. But it's those four principles that meant so much to me as I read through this book. If we want full engagement, we've got to draw on physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual engagement. And I'm sure that all of us have heard those ideas, but maybe just passed right over them. Maybe some of us are really good at locking some of those in, but I would say for most of us, we are not. And we have to balance that energy with rest. And in order to build capacity, we've got to push forward outside of our normal training routines. We've got to push ourselves beyond our comfort level. We've got to sharpen ourselves and grow ourselves. And then we've got to figure out, in principle number four here, these rituals, the highly specific routines for managing energy Those are the key to sustain high performance. So let's dive into each one of these on some level. Physical energy first. Physical energy is measured from low to high, and emotional capacity is measured from negative to positive. But because we overuse our capacity, we've got to have energy renewal. We've got to engage with the challenges at hand, but then also disengage, which has been really hard for me and maybe for most of you out there, We've got to do that in order to refuel and live our life as a series of sprints and not marathons. So they go in this section of the book about sprinters and marathon runners and how each one of those is very different and how each one of those needs to refuel and revive in different ways. And nobody would argue that to build capacity, we've got to push beyond our normal limits. We've got to train in systematic ways like elite athletes. And we're going to grow by expanding beyond our ordinary limits. And then what? Recovering. When stress is followed by adequate recovery, we know it can make us stronger. Many people out there complain about stress. They worry about stress. They know they're in a high-stress environment. But guys, I think all of us would admit that that high stress is what leads us to maximum performance. And without that, without us having those areas of stress in our lives, we would not get to the levels of accomplishment that we do. The problem is when stress overcomes us, it's the overuse of stress where we're not taking these breaks throughout our life, throughout our month, throughout our week, throughout our day, however you want to look at it, that is when stress becomes an enemy of ours instead of a friend. Remember, as they say in the book, when stress is followed by adequate recovery, it can make us stronger. And then also the key point on routines, such as managing energy properly, is the key to high performance of full engagement. So if you have to think about something every time you do it, you're probably not going to keep it up for a long period of time. Our will and discipline, which we talk about all the time on this podcast, those are going to require pushing. A routine is going to pull you into an area of performance without you having to think about it. So I've talked about rituals many times before, but I've never thought about it in that concept. Whereas will and discipline require pushing, a ritual is going to pull at you and help you conserve energy without even thinking about it. What are your fundamentals? What are you doing each day to help you lock in the certain rituals, the certain autopilot habits that I've talked about before, where you're not just having to push, 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 and muscle it through, as I've said many times, but you're actually being pulled in a direction that's going to help you get things done and and not to mention conserve energy without you having to think about it. So think about this idea of rituals 
A quote from the book says, quote, We use the word rituals purposefully to emphasize the notion of a carefully defined, highly structured behavior. In contrast to will and discipline, which require pushing yourself to a particular behavior, a ritual will pull at you. Think of something as simple as brushing your teeth. It's not something you ordinarily have to remind yourself to do. Brushing your teeth is something you feel consistently drawn to, compelled by its true health value. You do it largely on autopilot without much conscious effort or attention. The power of rituals is that they ensure that we use as little conscious energy as possible where it is not absolutely necessary, which leaves us free to strategically focus our energy into certain creative, enriching ways. So if you haven't picked up on it yet, though, this book is all about optimizing our energy, and they provide a very compelling case that our willpower is actually much weaker, number one, than what we think it is, and number two, much more draining than we think it is. And every time we have to consciously think about whether or not we're going to do something that has importance in our life, we are going to use up energy and we are going to be spent. You may have heard me mention before that researchers say that 95% of our behavior is habitual. Only 5%, 5% is conscious. I'll say that again. Researchers say that 95% of our behavior is habitual and only 5% is conscious. And the challenge here is systematically building in rituals into our lives that allow us to have the energy and enhanced behaviors that are on autopilot. As they say in the book, all great performers rely on positive rituals to manage their energy and regulate their behavior. And the more demanding the behavior, the greater our rituals need to be. So the harder the task, the more of a ritual we better have locked in. And one of the ways that we're going to get into these rituals is balancing stress and recovery. So we all know that we live in a world that celebrates success and performance and many times looks down upon rest and recovery. I felt that way for so long that if I was being successful and just running and running and muscling it through, as you've heard me say many times before, that I was being strong and powerful and that if I was resting, I was being irresponsible and being weak, just not living up to what it was that I needed to do. But as the book says, as human beings, we spend and recover energy in a process called oscillation. And if we're not building this oscillation into our life we're going to have burnout we're going to have breakdown or we're going to have atrophy and lack of performance from boredom so think of these two ends of the spectrum where if you're overusing energy you're going to have burnout and breakdown and if we're underusing our energy we're going to have atrophy and lack of performance which is mainly from boredom and in order to build capacity we've got to systematically expose ourselves to more stress yes you heard me right on that we've got to systematically expose ourselves to more stress but the key there lock in on what i'm saying it is systematically exposing ourselves to more stress but then what immediately followed by adequate recovery so our physical energy is our fundamental source of fuel which is going to feed all other areas of our life when we tap into our physical energy they say we're going to do small things like eat five to six meals throughout the day we're going to drink 64 ounces of water throughout the day if you're not drinking the right amount of water each day i don't have to tell you but you're going to be completely burned out i'll go into that a little bit later We're also going to take recovery breaks, these ultradian rhythms that I've mentioned many times before where we alternate every 60 to 90 minutes, we alternate between work and then taking a 15 to 20 minute break after that. Breathing well, that's where you're breathing through the diaphragm and making your diaphragm or your gut expand before you make your chest expand. That's going to make you take the deepest breath out there. 
that's where you're breathing in for a count of four, holding for two, and then breathing out for a count of six, and then finally sleep, which you've heard me mention over and over. We've got to get at least seven to eight hours of sleep each night. I'm not telling you that because I'm good at it. I'm telling you that because I really need to work on that. So we've got our physical energy. We also have our emotional energy. And I don't have to do a podcast to tell you that negative emotions are going to serve our survival instincts, but they're going to do that at a cost. If we're going to be fully revived and fully at rest, we've got to communicate more consistently with more positive energy, especially during times of intense stress. So it's these periods of intense stress where we've got to communicate more consistent, positive energy, not only to those around us, but continually to ourselves. And you may have heard me mention in a previous recording that if you think self-talk and affirmations, getting yourself pumped up each day based on what you're saying to yourself, if you think that's silly like I did for so long, picture it this way. You're still doing that each day to yourself. We are constantly talking to ourselves throughout the day. It's just that most of it is negative if we're not focused on it. So if you think it's just hocus-pocus or mumbo-jumbo, as I've mentioned before, talking to yourself throughout the day and telling yourself good things to renew your emotional energy, you are still doing it. Don't kid yourself. You're probably just doing it in a very negative way. That also is going to fuel our mental energy. So mental energy is what we're going to use to focus our attention and what we're going to use to build more energy. And if we're going to change mental channels, as they talk about in the book, changing mental channels activates different parts of the brain, but thinking uses up a ton of energy. And the key to this is to give the thinking mind rest. We have to have mental energies. You've heard me mention before, taking a half Friday off and just going completely outside of the office to a Starbucks, or for me, it's the country club that I'm a part of, and just sitting out on the back porch there. They've got some huge rocking chairs out there. It's a beautiful view, and just sitting out there and doing think time. And I say that to you not because I've mastered that, but because I'm desperately trying to build more of that in. I'm not great at it, I'll admit. So hold me accountable to that. Jared, how much think time have you been getting in lately, or are you just staying at the office thinking you don't have enough time to do that? And then spiritual energy here, our spiritual energy, as you've heard me mention before, is a deeply held set of values, and that's beyond our self-interest, even when doing so requires personal sacrifice and hardship. So guys, we've got to connect and reconnect with the values that we find most inspiring and meaningful. If you're just coming and working every day, or if you're just getting up for some purpose that you're excited about today, but really doesn't have a lot of meaning or value to it, you're not going to stick with that for very long. And our spiritual energy is what's going to propel action in every other dimension of our lives. Our physical energy is what gives us the ability to move forward and stay engaged with what we're doing. But our spiritual energy, guys, that's what's going to get us interested in what we're doing in the first place. So another huge concept for me here in the book was this idea of time between points. Quote, to live like a sprinter is to break life down into a series of manageable intervals consistent with our own physiological needs and with the periodic rhythms of nature. This insight first crystallized for Jim when he was working with world-class tennis players. As a performance psychologist, his goal was to understand the factors that set apart the greatest competitors in the world from the rest of the pack. Jim spent hundreds of hours watching top players, studying tapes and their matches, To his growing frustration, he could detect almost no significant differences in their competitive habits. It was only when he began to notice what they did between points that he suddenly saw a difference. While most of them were not aware of it, the greatest players had built in almost the exact same set of routines between points. That includes how they walked back to the baseline after a point, how they held their heads and shoulders, where they focused their eyes, and even the way they talked to themselves, end quote. 
And that's a really cool part of the book that I found here is that the authors continued on in the book by discussing the fact that in the 16 to 20 seconds between points, and that's the most important part here, it's between the points, the best players were able to lower their heart rate by as much as 20 beats per minute. The heart rates of their competitors who didn't have the same dialed-in rest rituals often stayed at the same levels. So think about that concept. If you and I are playing against each other and I can squeeze in more rest after an intense burst of energy and I can do that dozens and dozens of times when you're not doing that, who do you think is going to be more susceptible to outperforming the other and therefore likely to win? So we've got to be refueling between the points, even these little tiny bits, these 20-second rests that we get. And if we're doing that over and over, just like the compound effect of Darren Hardy, You've probably heard me mention it. If you're a regular listener here, some of you have written in and told me over and over that the compound effect and the notes that I did on that book are what keep you going when the day gets tough. Because instead of focusing on the outcome, you're focusing on these little tiny habits that are coming through each day in your process. And rather than focusing on the outcome and if anything actually happened today, you are sticking with the process. So think about that. If you and I are playing against each other and over and over I'm getting in these little rests of energy, who is going to be more susceptible to keeping that energy for a longer period of time and winning the match? It's this energy we build between the points that is so important for us to reach peak performance each day. And therefore, we're going to carry that on into other areas of our life. So as high-performance individuals, I know I'm not a tennis player. You may not be either, but we are all corporate athletes, as the book goes on to say. How are we going to get our rest between the points? So I would equate these points as to what we're doing each day, the activity that we do each day, and we've got to understand that this rest, this oscillating effect, has to take place or we are not going to be able to keep our heart rates down. We're not going to be able to get our mental capacity in the right place. Therefore, we will be spent, as I've mentioned in the last couple of recordings, on resting and reviving. The other thing they mention is that we've got to drink plenty of water. And another great quote in the book says, We have found that drinking water is perhaps the most undervalued source of energy renewal. Okay, so clue in on this, guys. Quote goes on to say, Unlike hunger, thirst is an inadequate barometer of need. By the time we feel thirsty, we may long since be dehydrated. An ongoing body of research suggests that drinking 64 ounces or more of water each day is going to help build our energy in important ways. The dehydrated muscle, by as little as 3%, will lose 10% of its strength and 8% of its speed. Inadequate hydration also compromises concentration and coordination. So clue in on that, guys. That was a huge eye-opener for me. I know I don't drink enough water. I've said that for years. Almost just in the past, just laughed it off. But the more and more I read about water consumption and how we have to have more water... It's just like the book says here. It's the most important physical energy renewal. That speaks to me. That's screaming at me to drink more water. And another fascinating thing the book goes on to say in more detail is that unlike hunger, thirst is an inadequate barometer of need. So by the time we get thirsty, guys, we are probably long since dehydrated. So drink those 64 ounces plus of water each day, and that's going to help your performance build in a range of important ways. I never knew that. I'd heard before, and you may have heard me mention before, that if we're at least 2% dehydrated, we're going to get bodily and mental fatigue. But this book goes on to say that dehydrated muscle will lose 10% of its strength and 8% of its speed after only being dehydrated for 3%. So the big question is on all of this, how many of us out there believe that we're not operating at our full potential? 
And it always feels like there's something we could do better. There's something we could do faster, more efficiently. And in order to perform our best, we've got to be fully engaged, as the book says. We need to focus on not squeezing more into our limited hours, but finding ways to do more with the time that we have. And if I could say nothing else to you today, if I could just sum up everything by the end of this podcast that I think I'm going to deliver here to you today, it would be that, is that we have to make sure that we are focusing not on squeezing more into our limited hours, as most of us try to do, myself included, but we've got to find ways to do more with the time that we have. And in order to accomplish this, we've got to shift our focus to managing our energy and not our time alone. So, so many of us race through life without taking a break. We get exhausted from a long day's work. We feel overwhelmed. And no matter how hard we try, so many of us believe that there's not enough time in a day. You may have heard me mention before on another recording on The Magic of Thinking Big by Charles Schwartz. There is so much time in the day and everyone has the same amount of time. But so many people feel like they don't have enough time in the day. We've got to figure out a way to better optimize our time. But time alone is not going to help us achieve our goals. We also have to have the energy. And without that, we cannot perform at our peak potential and peak performance no matter how much time we allow ourselves to do the things that we want. I often found that I've complained about not having as much time in the day. But I've also found that when you give me more time, like if I have more time on the calendar... Maybe some client meetings canceled out for the afternoon or rescheduled. I'll actually still get about the same amount of things done because my brain perceives that amount of time, that extra time that I have as a luxury, and I'll actually slow play things. I'll look at it as a way to not have to race through the day and I'll be a little bit more relaxed on what I'm doing. Like I said, just slow playing things and I get to the end of the day and I feel better because I was able to maneuver throughout the day without a lot on my plate. But I've probably gotten about the same amount of things done as I would in a day when I'm complaining about not having enough time. So check in on that. Where are you on maximizing your time? And when we concentrate on maximizing time only, many of us, you know, we're going to work for hours on end without pause. But this is going to take a toll on our energy levels and make us less productive. How do you guys feel after working for four hours straight without taking a break? Are you ready to go for more? No, you probably feel drained. And no matter how many bulletproof coffees you drink, you're still going to find it hard to keep concentration up, maintain productivity. And instead, we've got to maximize our energy by working less and taking lots of breaks. And these breaks are going to do what? It's going to give us a chance to recharge our energy levels. And if we do that, if we focus on our energy levels, rather than trying to cram 48 hours into a single day, we're not only going to be more efficient, but we're going to have way more enjoyment in our private lives. And who doesn't want that, right? I would love to go home at the end of a highly productive day knowing that I got a ton of things knocked out and knowing that I've used stress as a healthy stress that pushed me to an area of peak potential and then going home and realizing that I still have tons of energy to play with my kids, to be a supportive husband for my wife. How great would that feel every day? And in order to perform at our peak levels and feel at our best, we've got to maximize each of these energy levels, especially the physical and the emotional ones. In fact, the book goes on to say that the physical and emotional energy levels are our most fundamental sources of how we build energy. And without either one of those, we would simply be too exhausted and deflated to accomplish anything. And that even goes into the spiritual energy for me. If I'm completely spent and tired and not focused and completely distracted because I'm so burnt out, how is my prayer time going to be? How is my quiet time going to be? How's my scripture reading and journaling going to be as far as what I'm trying to tap into for my spiritual 
relationship with the Lord. It's not going to be there, right? So I completely agree. It's the physical and emotional energy. Those are our most fundamental sources of energy. And as the book says, without either one of those, we're going to be too exhausted and deflated to accomplish what we need to do. Unfortunately, our energy reserves, again, I don't have to do a podcast here to tell you this, our energy reserves are not unlimited. And we typically go out each day and expend more energy than what we recover. And I believe it was Dr. Matthew Edlin, who you may have heard me recently talk about in my episode on Getting Revived, where he talks about this as a bank account where we are putting in savings and taking out withdrawals of energy each day. And when we start dipping into the red on our savings, we are going to become spent. And this is an integral part of sustaining high levels of productivity and performance and getting to the levels that we want to be each day. We've got to take those 60 to 90 minute rests, those old tradian rhythms that I've mentioned over and over. Otherwise, we're going to flood our bodies with stress, hormones like cortisol that you've also heard me mention before, which is going to cause aggressiveness. It's going to cause impatience. It's going to cause moodiness. It's going to cause anger. It could lead to heart issues. It's going to lead to stress. It's going to lead to fatigue. So we've got to live a very productive and fulfilled life, but we've got to figure out how to listen to these life-sustaining rhythms and we've got to disengage at regular intervals. So how are you doing on that? Every 60 to 90 minutes, are you taking a break, like going and grabbing a cup of coffee and sitting somewhere outside of your office? Don't stay in your office, but go drink it outside of your office. You know, some of you may think I'm crazy, but I told you to go force yourself to get on an elevator and take a 15-minute walk around the parking lot. I promise you, if you do that, you're going to feel way better throughout the day by doing that, by just getting your brain mentally recharged and relaxed. And as I mentioned, without the physical energy, I think it's obvious that we wouldn't get a lot done. Our physical energy is the most important fuel of the four that I mentioned when it comes to just building energy throughout the day. And if we want to reach our peak performance throughout the day, then we have to maximize that physical energy. But the physical energy is depending on how we eat and sleep and recover. So we've got to look for superfoods that maximize our energy capacity. We've got to be eating more greens. We've got to be eating more vegetables. We've got to be eating more things like nuts throughout the day, things that just honestly don't taste that great, but it's going to build our brain power. It's going to build our brain energy. You know, get on bulletproofexecutive.com and go order their brain octane, 18 times stronger than coconut oil. It's caterpillic acid that's going to build the neurons of your brain and strengthen them throughout the day with that fatty acid, and it's great. But these foods, these superfoods, are going to provide a slow release of energy to our bodies and provide us with more sustainable energy, not to mention, as I've said before, drinking water. Again, only 3% of muscle dehydration is going to lead to 10% decrease in strength and 8% decrease in muscle speed. And remember from my prior episodes, we've got to get in our exercise, but it doesn't mean that we have to hit the gym for an hour, an hour and a half every day. Even incorporating small exercise into our everyday life is going to do the trick. Remember, it's those first 20 minutes that get our cognitive power going and what's going to help us recharge and get more creative, be more productive, be more successful at what we're doing because we're tapping into that physical energy each day for small bursts of time. And guys, just keep your mind healthy. When was the last time you did something simply because you enjoyed it, not because you were obligated to do it? And I think for most of us in our society, in a frantic effort just to maximize our time, we tend to choose our productive activities over things that we actually enjoy. And I know that's a big one for me. When I go and do things that I enjoy doing, knowing that I have other things on my plate that I should be doing or or need to be doing 
you know, over the weekend, I feel so irresponsible. I feel like I'm missing the mark of what I'm trying to do, but compound that over time. And it allows me to see that I'm really not doing anything enjoyable. That's going to make my mental energy spent, which is also going to spend my emotional energy, which is also going to lead to me spending my physical energy and ultimately my spiritual life as well. So I hope you see how all of these things tie in together and how we need to prioritize our activity each day. We've got to make sure that we're building in some enjoyable activities in there beyond only doing the productive work that we feel like we need to get in each day. And that's going to help you be more creative as well. So if you think about the idea that for most of us, our greatest ideas, I know for me personally, they often come to me when I'm not actually working. You know, shower thoughts for me, just standing there thinking in the shower. That's a huge one for me. When I'm falling asleep at night, I'm sitting there thinking about the day and what's happened and what's maybe to come the next day. Those are when some of my best thoughts come to me or when I'm out taking a walk. I'd mentioned in a previous episode that Brendan Burchard mentioned that at the end of the day, you get home, you change clothes, you take a walk. If you've got a family, take a walk with your family. But on days when you can take a walk by yourself, just 20 minutes outdoor, no phone, don't even take your phone. Just leave it there at the house. Nothing that's going to ding at you. Nothing that's going to get your attention. No music even. Just take a 20 minute walk. Breathe deeply the entire time and just focus on getting your mental energy back. That's one of the best things that we can do for ourselves. And one of the biggest favors we can give our body and our mind each day is to take a solo 20-minute walk with no one else around, no technology around, and you're going to feel so much better for doing that. But our creativity, as I've learned from all the reading that I've done over the last year and a half, is it's going to require the work of the brain's two hemispheres. So you've probably heard of the brain's left and right hemisphere, but our left hemispheres are logical and our linear thinking, whereas the right is more of the visual and big-picture thinking. And many times at work, we're just working without giving ourselves that private time, that slow down time. And when we do that, we're going to neglect the visually stimulated right hemisphere. But when we relax and we do something enjoyable, our left hemisphere has a chance to rest and we work out the right. So there's this balance between the two where you're working out both of them. And if we're going to get our true creative energy flowing each day, we've got to make sure that we're working both of these in tandem without overworking either. And that's how we get into our full creative capacity and we think bigger thoughts and ideas. And one last thing I'll mention here as I get ready to wrap up is precision, just making sure that you're precise in what you're doing each day. And another great quote I pulled from the book says, quote, a broad and persuasive array of studies confirms that specificity of timing and precision of behavior dramatically increases the likelihood of success. The explanation lies once again in the issue that our self-control is limited and easily depleted. By determining when, where, and how a behavior will occur, we no longer have to think much about getting it done. A series of experiments have confirmed this pattern. In perhaps the most dramatic experiment of all, a group of drug addicts were studied during withdrawal, a time when the energy required to control the urge to take drugs severely compromises their ability to undertake nearly any other task they're trying to do. As part of the effort to help them find employment post-rehabilitation, one group was asked to commit to writing a short resume before 5 p.m. on a particular day. Not a single one succeeded. A second group was asked to complete the same task, but also to say and write down exactly when and where they would write the resume. 80%, 80% of that group succeeded. So you've probably heard a million times that what gets scheduled gets done. 
And so my question would be, as we talk about these rituals, as we talk about this energy that we're trying to build, and as we discuss these autopilot activities that we're trying to build in to build more energy and be more creative, how are you scheduling your day? Are you just winging it constantly, or do you actually have scheduled events during your day? And these rituals are going to help us perform more efficiently. And if we know that, why are so many of us not doing it? Remember, only 5% of our behavior is consciously performed. That means 95% of our actions occur automatically automatically out of habit as I mentioned previously those rituals that we build in that I'm going to leave you with here those are going to allow us to balance our energy expenditure it's going to allow us to act without thinking even in the most stressful situation which is going to build our energy and build in times of rest this oscillation factor as I mentioned earlier from the book So I'll leave you with that, and the key message in this book, I would say, if I had to boil it down, is that in order to become fully engaged in whatever it is that we're doing and perform at our absolute peak performance, we must first actively build our energy capacity in all the dimensions of life, our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual levels, and then manage that energy productively by taking periods of rest. Remember, guys, it's not the marathon runner that we're going after, as so many of us have been for so long. It's the sprinter. We're going to build in huge bursts of energy. We're going to take time of rest, that oscillation concept, just lock that in, and we're going to figure out ways to be more creative even during our rest, which is then what going to make us more productive throughout the day. So thanks so much for spending time with me today. I hope you go out and rock it this week by going out and getting more rest and not doing what I've done for so many years by thinking that that's irresponsible and negative. It's true. We've got to get the things done that we've got on our plate, but just doing things over and over will always lead to more work. And so we have to build in times of rest. Thanks so much, guys.